When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess the first question I'd like to ask is, what solutions did you not have in your life? What what were you looking for? And what was it about what I talk about that resonated with you? And you thought, this is this will give me the solutions I'm looking for. Yeah, that's actually very, um, very I'm, I'm glad you asked, because to me, um, there's so many things that now I can see in retrospective. And so if you ask me that Gerardo at that time knew that there was a problem, knew that something was off, that I was not living to my full potential, but I couldn't pin what the problem was. So reading the book was very uh, eye-opening for me because it was giving me uh, the opposite advice of conventional wisdom. Instead of running away, trying to mask what's wrong, uh, why you just don't dig into what's wrong? And I guess you're so scared of doing that at the time because you realize, oh my God, I don't want to step into that dark room because I don't have any candles with me, any flashlights with me. So I, I, I'm not going to get into that. You know? But then, uh, and that's how you feel at the time. Uh, but once you realize that someone might have a candle for you and that later that candle can be coming to your own light. Um, it is fantastic to see that to me, now that I am behind that part of that process is that what I have gained is clarity. Now I know what was wrong. Now I know why I couldn't help myself. And now I have the tools to continue improving my life. So, I, I think that's what I would say about that. How did your life look before as far as what was going on? Well, that's an excellent question too, because uh, I will say that my life was very unbalanced. Um, in the eyes of the world, you know, I am a successful photographer. I work all the time, but that workaholic behavior lack personal care personal love you know for my health for my recreation for all those things so it, it doesn't matter if you're successful in one area if other areas of your life are lacking so and that's the connection of self-love you know and and also what conventional wisdom will tell us is like it is a little bit selfish and arrogant to to love yourself when in reality is the opposite you know you can only give what you have and from your reserves so, uh, I would say that people knew that I was a loving person, that I am kind, that I was nice, but this lack of boundaries and lack of respect for myself made my life unbalanced. How did a lack of boundaries and lack of respect for yourself show up in your life, in your relationship, at work, with your kids? That's an excellent question. You know, for example, you know, with my clients, when uh, it was time for me to stand up for myself, I always did it, but with a high cost of anxiety and anger and weight for copyrights of my photos without permission. And I will have to stand up for myself and say like, I'm sorry, this is not, but not without spending two, three hours in anger and how am I going to respond to this guy? <laughs> and that drains you, you know, that drains you. Um, also, you know, when uh, people, perhaps this light stuff, and, and this is something that, let's say a friend tell you, hey, Gerardo, uh, let's go have a coffee and let's do that. And perhaps you already plan to go ride your bike. And then uh, you tell your friend, ah, you know, I really want to ride my bike. You say inside of you, but ah, okay, let's do that with the friend because you don't want to say no. So it's not a big deal. There's not a big loss, right? No, you know, there's a big loss because you're saying no to yourself. And then you are somehow those little betrayers to who you truly are and who you truly want to do make you not respect yourself. So now that, uh, you know, you learn how to say no, it becomes so, and, and it's something beautiful happens. People somehow respect you when you start saying no. 
they kind of like love that authenticity that comes from you and get to appreciate that when you say no is no, when you say yes is yes. And, and there is no, there is no more energy lost in that resentment that, oh, I should have, have not gone to have coffee because I couldn't ride my bike. But, and, and so I, I will say some of that. And of course, in your personal relationship, especially with your spouse or your family or stuff like that, you realize all the things you have not been saying no. And how saying no, it's, a, it's, it's an exercise that you start in the beginning with little stuff because of all the anxiety that give us, but the more you practice it, the more you, it's kind of like a muscle, I will say. So, Did you know fun. that was the solution when you found Kenny or you just knew something was wrong, but you didn't know about boundaries, right? Like what it meant, what it would do in your life? Well, I guess a little bit of everything because like anybody in this time and era, probably we already have tapped into other types of self-help, other people who have put content over here, over there, and you have read books, but you are incapable to integrate all that into one thing. And so although it's kind of like, think about it. It's a workout for the body, right? So this person is telling me do exercises only with your legs. And the other person is like, no, you need only exercises with your shoulders. And no, the third person is telling me like without core muscles. So all this knowledge without being put together, um, is, is somehow useless, but also is necessary to have it because he was having that dispersed knowledge that when the time I read Kenny's book was like, bam, this guy knows how to put the picture, the, the, you know, the, the missing uh, part of the puzzle together. And I can put the puzzle together. And I knew it was the way because it scared me. By the time I finished the book or what I was literally shivering because I knew I was looking for the answer and I no longer could run away from it. And I knew if I wouldn't do something, I could no longer say, hey, I never had the opportunity. I knew that I had the opportunity and therefore I needed to choose myself and, and take that option. What do you mean by looking for the answer? Because like I mentioned before, you know you're not living to your full potential, but you lack that clarity. So when I read that book, still I didn't have the clarity, but at least I knew there was a map to get there. And, and that's what encouraged me to, to follow that part of the map. So are you saying that after reading, you know, there are many great people teaching a lot of great things and all the other books you read from people who do what I do, they offered certain things that would help certain aspects but it was just a piece of the puzzle but it never put the whole process together and then when you read my book you're like wow this incorporates all that plus the next step plus the whole process that they didn't offer and that's what scared you because in a way having all those other pieces allowed not to deal with all of it and and so it's like, oh, wow, this is everything. This is really the way out. But now I'm scared because now I know there's an answer. And that means now I, I guess Rick. you could say I have to choose or I get to choose. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because if you think about it, um, the yin and yang or Buddhism will tell you there is no thing wrong or good or bad. There just are. And this society is teaching us all be positive, all be positive, but they're not teaching you the old principle of Buddhism. It's like nothing is good or bad. They just are. And also, and I will say this, you know, I am a Christian person and perhaps most of the approach of Christianity is like be good, be too good. But what, you know, I love this thing of love your neighbor like you love yourself. But there are two commandments there to love your neighbor, but like, what we forget is like we love ourselves. And so those principles somehow got, they're always been there, but they got misinterpreted or lost. And that part of, of putting all together to me was like, I knew for the first time I had the option to go after the knowledge to find my own journey, to discover what I needed to do in order to set myself uh, free 
And I guess that's one of the things that I have uh, loved the most is that, you know, the truth is not making you dependent. The truth is inside of you. You don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to buy the next book. You don't need to go to the next seminar. It's just like you do this. Um, then it becomes a joy. The, the discovery of yourself becomes a joy. And uh, to do it in the groups like we do, Kenny, is fantastic because, as you know, no man is an island. So I get so empowered by me teaching others what I have learned, but I also learn even from the new person that comes to the groups and teaches me. Uh, like I mentioned before, the beauty of this is like, this is like a muscle. So being in the groups and stuff is exercising that muscle. Uh, because sometimes you forget, you know, your, your neuropaths and your brain has been wired for so many years to go to that route that it takes time and effort, but it's a joyful journey to discover yourself. And uh, so people ask me all the time, you know, because I lost a hundred pounds. Uh, people tell me now you're happy, you're running, you're doing all those things. If I'm doing okay. And I always said uh, that now I find certain things that are uncomfortable or I can find discomfort, but I no longer in pain. I am not longer in that unresolved pain. I am in discomfort momentarily, but I'm no longer in pain. Can I ask, where did that unresolved pain come from for you? Perhaps, you know, from the lack of, um, from the lack of answers. Think about it this way, you know, we get frustrated when we don't get an answer and, and you're looking for your toy, you know, you're three years old and you're frustrated because you're looking for your favorite toy. So if you cannot find it, uh, you get scared and you get angry. And so where are the answers for that, you know? And so it's the same thing, you know, when you're an adult and you know you want to live to your full potential, but you cannot find it. It is just, it's first, you know, you might get uh, intrigued. First, you get into the journey. You can face exhaustion of looking. Some people give up looking. Some people don't, you know, but some people are angry and, and then there's fear of kind of that anger, depression, and those cycles will continue. But nobody tells you, hey, there's a dark room in your soul, dude, that you haven't visited, and it's time to open the door. And I will say that. What about also the, I think I saw a video where you were talking about when you found Kenny, I think you saw a video about with smothering love, kids. Oh and yeah, that was, that was fantastic because I was uh, scrolling on my Facebook and I saw that uh, we should not use our kids as emotional support. We are their emotional support. And it was very interesting because perhaps the morning before I was having a hard time and I remember being sad. And of course, you know, it, my, my son was a one year old. So, but I remember hugging him, but the person who needed the hug was me. And uh, so then when I saw that from Kenny, I said like, that is exactly what I'm doing. And perhaps right now he's one year old but if I continue feeling when I'm sad, when I'm angry, I'm going to continue tapping into my son for that emotional support. And that is manipulative. That is not healthy. And I guess out of love for my son, I said, well, it's a good time to, to get into this and, and find out more about that. And that led me to Kenny's book. And reading Kenny's book, I remember, like I told you, I was so scared, but I told myself, I know one day I will be uh, your student and I will uh, get into this. And indeed, and, and here I am. Yeah, it's it's interesting when we come to the full awareness of, wait a second, the, the hug isn't coming from a place of supporting our child. It's actually coming from meaning support. And maybe that's not a problem, but... Uh, me, by the way, being a, a son of um, a single mom that basically had a situation in which I did not receive the emotional support. It went the other way. 
I know exactly what it feels like to go through that up to the age of late twenties. And it had a, it had a huge toll on me always then feeling like I needed to rescue my mother and feeling like I needed to change hers and, and kind of like just, you know, there was never, it was never, um, it was never okay for me to ask for that. That's how it turned, uh, it turned on me. And it wasn't until I came to the full awareness that I started asking for my needs as an adult. And at first there was this, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Right. You always say yes to your mom kind of thing. Right. And cause I was saying to my, yes to myself and no to her now in my early thirties, you'd think that in your early thirties. And I, by the way, I could like, we're both Latino. So, you know, the culture, the culture in Latin America is you grow up with your parents until you basically take care of your parents. Right. Right. So I feel like, especially like for me, Puerto Rico, I see the, the whole, um, you can be 30, 40, sometimes even 50 years old and parents still treat you like a kid. And like, Oh, you don't know. Oh, you know, like, wait a second. I'm in my forties. I'm in my thirties and whatever it is. I should have the ability to make my own decisions without feeling bad about what you're going to think. I should be able to ask for my needs and wants when I'm around you, especially, or maybe even about staying at your home and for you to respect that. You know, maybe I have my own relationship with someone else that I want to respect that time with. And there's a conflict between what the parent wants that, you know, of course the, the older parent at this point and me living a life of my own with my own family. Right. Like I'm, I've even outside of this, um, outside of us two, I've seen people where the husband will do things for their wife before that he does things for, uh, for his mother before he'll do things for his wife. And then his wife always got deprioritized. This was actually the dad of one of my ex-girlfriends. So this is one example right there of what could happen as it keeps going in the, through the decades. And it's a beautiful thing that you were able to actually, if you look at it from this perspective, stop that from unfolding in that manner because you had that self-awareness when your son was very, very young. So you actually saved them from a lot of hardships to similar to what I would have gone through. Um, you know what I mean? If, that yeah absolutely is- you know i i will say you know my my son being born triggers something in me uh it was my love for him that triggered to find my love for myself and 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 understanding that i am going to be his support allowed me to get the, the capability to become strong i love it when he sees me putting my exercise clothes and he's like papa are you gonna go run are you gonna exercise and and he sees me coming back home and he touches my, my shirt and he's like, oh, you're wet, Papa. You exercise a lot. And that empowerment that I feel that I am, by taking care of myself, I am automatically taking care of him. Because I will say that I do enjoy, it's a funny thing, I, I enjoy loving myself lately, you know. I was telling Kenny the other day that I, I run, uh, uh, I finish running in the middle of the night and I'm listening to my music and I'm free of this pain. I am in the middle of a divorce, don't get me wrong, and I am feeling discomfort, but I am free of pain. And I'm dancing in the middle of the street, enjoying the music and enjoying myself. Um, so I relate to what you say because perhaps in my case, you know, I grew up in a codependent family with a functional alcoholic as a father, and I was the older brother. So my sense of identity was lost in exchange for you have to surrender your wants and needs uh, for the good of the family. You have to put up with everything you wanted, that you needed, that you want to become or be because your duties to your family, to your sisters, to your mom, to your dad. And, and I got lost in all that. So I endure so much pain and so much abuse from so many people, the friends and business partners. And, and because I was like, oh, no, I have to sacrifice myself for 
this identity that I needed to be lost for something greater than me. And, and that's why I've been loving the process of loving me lately. Can I ask you guys a question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what stops most people from finding their purpose. And it's, it's one of the missing pieces to personal development that no one wants to talk about. And our childhood, if our life isn't working, it's always our childhood and the parenting we went in. And nobody, not nobody, but most people never want to hear that. Like, oh, childhood doesn't matter. And then there's the belief system like, you know, oh, it's okay to know I'm being loving by hugging my child like that, needing my child, the lack of information around true loving and true parenting, like right there, that's confronting a lot of societal beliefs that we've all been told this is what we do and that, oh my gosh, no, I mean, we've been told by the church, by everything that honor your mother and father, they're always right, they're perfect, they're never bad, and so we're sent this message if I ever challenge my parents, if I ever think anything was perfectly imperfect, I'm bad. I'm wrong. And, and so the first step in this process, <clears throat> what keeps most people from achieving their life is they never want to confront that. And if you listen to both your stories, what got you to have the life you wanted was you were willing to challenge the societal belief and really, you know, what makes my program stand out is it goes to the source. I mean, behavioral science has shown for centuries or decades. Between ages of zero and three and three to seven, because of the parenting we experience, that's who we become. And then we get to be adults and go, why is my work, my life working? We do all these courses and things, but that never addressed that. And, but how did it feel to be confronted with that truth that, wow, there might be things that weren't right. And, oh, my God, my parents were codependent. Oh, my God, this. Oh, my God, oh, that. oh there are all these truths that I've been told. They're, you know, I, Well, let me say it differently. There are all these things I never considered. And that means I'm going to have to challenge that and societal beliefs and everything. That's a, bit, a big piece to take on. How did you feel when you experienced that truth? And then how did you get yourself to go, you know what, there's something to this, I have to look at it, instead of what most people do, of just deny it and, and run from it? Well, that's a good question, you know, because perhaps that relates to the Latin American country, and, and part of the culture is that uh, we, although we're joyful people and we're uh, very nice to a certain extent, you know, amicable and empaths but at the same time there is an aspect of shame so it's very common for families to hide their secrets uh, even more than americans or any other culture and even though when those problems are obvious like a drinking father you know or stuff like that so those are the things that people don't talk about um in my case you know i i grew up being middle class in my my parents were really hard to put them in a private school. I went to school with millionaires. And it was always this confrontation of seeing that they had a better life than me, but my dad was financially disorganized. Uh, my mom never said no to my dad. You know, always in emergency mode. Uh, they're going to like cut the electricity for the third time, and we have to pay it on time, and run, 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 crisis and crisis and crisis. So I, I was 14 years old, 15 years old, and I start to revel to that idea. And I guess uh, when I start, one of the things I did out of all that frustration that I was feeling was to at least be honest with myself. And I start telling my friends and my family, yeah, my dad is a functional alcoholic. My mom is codependent. And I remember feeling shame. At first, from my family, oh, don't you say that, or, or you know what, they're gonna use that information against you. Like, isn't that obvious that my dad is checked out and you let him do what he wants? And no, this is my truth, and I'm gonna owe it. But it comes with a high. At the time, you don't know you're doing right. 
you're being ashamed by your family. Your friends get scared because you were brave enough to say this is running my life. And they're not sure if they should acknowledge that with you. Uh, so it comes in our cultures. There's a big aspect of shame. The minute you address that your family isn't perfect. And at first, when I was a teenager, when I was able to see my family wasn't perfect, my reaction, I didn't know how to cope. So I became an angry person, you know, trying to overachieve, start a business out of my garage, make a lot of money. At 26, I was traveling in Europe, but I was so angry because I still wanted to change my family. And so I was, by running away from then, I was also following the same pattern of wanting to change others, codependence. And, but the short answer is like, there's a lot of shame in our culture the minute we face our problems and we address them with our family. It relates to so much of what you said, Hargo, because I think it has to do with the shame and guilt that we feel and neglect throughout the years. But then what happens is, see, when we grow up in that childhood, through those years, three, five, seven, nine, 13, 15, we're for the most part seeing the world from the inside out. And we sort of just accept it. That's what I realized that it's like, oh, that's how it is. So I guess it's okay. My stepfather screams at my mother and walks out almost every night slamming the door drunk. So I guess it's okay if he's hitting my three-year-old sister on her mouth uh, till her uh, gums bleed and he then he wants to hit her more. So I guess that it's okay if he's screaming at my brother to have him eat his Burger King and until he pukes because he should eat instead of not eat because he's he says so. And... It isn't, for me, it wasn't until I started truly looking at that from the eyes of an adult, thanks to Kenny's book and content and trainings, that I started questioning my own answer of when he, for example, Kenny asked me, so your childhood, like, how was it? And I was like, oh, I had a great childhood. It was nice. And I went to private school. I can relate somewhat to you, right? Went to private school. You know, food was always there, shelter. We always had a car. You always think of these like basic things. I never thought about emotional needs. I never thought about all these other things as a kid. And then when I started looking back at my challenges, past and present, well, I'd always avoided relationships. And the relationship, most meaningful one to me that I did have, it was, it exploded into this destruction. At work, I would always have these massive ups and downs, super highs and then super lows. I would tear it all apart, almost like in pure self-sabotage. That's me, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I, I, I was running a marathon and quitting two miles before the end line because I got bored and I didn't want to. Or I did things just to prove others wrong, and once I achieved success, I got bored. I was willing to prove other people wrong, but not out of love for me. And that's the thing. And when we do that, I know exactly what you're talking about because that then it would turn into, well, everybody's wrong. Fuck everyone. <laughs> for me, that's always what it was. That's what I realized too. I was like, well, that's exactly what I did when I left my first business in 2013. I was like, fuck everyone. Then it happened again, 2016. Fuck everyone. Everyone's wrong. I don't even want the clients. I don't want the friendship. I don't want the girl. Like, I don't want anything at this point. I'm going to just be an island. And that's what's best. <laughs> just be alone and not interact with with people at all. Yep. Until I realize that's not the answer either. And, and what I hear you guys describing, if you think about your two stories, you just described the men and women who raised you and how they handled everything. And so that's why I was curious because we're no one's teaching to go back and look at that yet. It's everyone's life. Your childhood is you're just reliving it till you heal it. But there's a very big reticence in everybody to look at that. And so when you consider that though, you know, to make my, kind of focus in on the question because i know that's you know if anyone's listening to this they're going oh no that's not true 
like it's here's a perfect example i can't remember if it was ted bundy or the other the unibar one of the serial killers and it's a documentary and they're talking about how they don't understand how he became so evil because he had such a great childhood and they're talking to the neighbors yeah sweet kid boy yeah everything and you know see never saw any problems in the house and then they talked about how the dad was an alcoholic and the mother used to throw plates and the narrator, everyone's going, yeah, we have no idea. And I'm like, my, did you not? And, and this is funny. It's like with you, Dater, how was your childhood? Fine. And I'm like, wait, you just said your dad was an alcoholic. You were abandoned. Like the disconnect, like we're all just so disconnected from the truth of the, the perfect imperfections. Like, because how denial, do you make that transition to go, oh my God, maybe I need to look here. Absolutely. Get- so, somehow, what you just said, it, it's like somehow we get to deceive ourselves to believe, oh yeah, first day of marriage, the husband should be telling the wife, you belong out there with the dumpster, with the trash. That's first day marriage stuff, right? So that's how it is to be in a relationship. That's what the man says. That's what you learned. Exactly. And then it, what you're talking about with the alcoholic and the plates, we learned it's normal. That's what's, that's what's happening. So is it because it's so normal, but then when you hear me talk about it and point it out, how do you get past that denial aspect of, well, that doesn't matter. You no, know, it doesn't affect me. No, it's not a big deal. Like, and, and well, the, all the feelings that come up of, wow, I've got to look at that, really? And, and oh, I don't want to. Like, there's so much in that. How do you cross... I mean, I, my book and everything shows you how, but I'm I'm wondering. It's it's when you finally pay attention to your story, your book, and your what you teach, and you connect it to wait a second, seeing this now through the eyes of an adult, not a child. How is this now connected to my work and my relationships? Yeah, and I think that what happens is that the denial comes from the fact that you are trying to create this idea that at some point you at least had something of value that keeps you grounded. And if when you are saying, oh no, I didn't have a good uh, childhood. My parents didn't do the best. Accepting that we have this belief in those stages that makes us inadequate. But of course, I'm screwed up, you know, and I couldn't even have to, to accept that your childhood wasn't perfect somehow is connected to the wrong belief that that makes us inadequate and because the brain cannot accept that inadequacy we run away and i guess that's why it's so cool kenny when we talk about uh being perfectly imperfect because when you are able to see yourself with compassion you realize that your parents were only human and you know what that there is no inadequacy in that that you were just a kid, that it wasn't your fault. It is not, it wasn't your fault, but it's your responsibility to fix it as an adult. <laughs> and even talking about denial, I will tell you, you know, my mom told me like maybe six, seven years ago, uh, Gerardo, uh, you know what? I want to talk to you. And at some point we're having casual conversation. It says like, we screwed up with you. Like, what do you mean, mom? Yeah, I wanted to apologize with you because when you were 10 years old, we basically made you an adult and we put you in charge of taking care of your sisters and you did well and help us but somehow we stole your childhood and 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 we didn't know any better at the time and I just want to apologize for that and I want you to so you will think that an adult like me is waiting for that aha moment when gets validation from his mom and I'm just saying like no mom what are you talking about it was all cool it kept me responsible kept me grounded (laughs) so that awareness comes needs to come from us inside. And to me, it was when I understood that not having a perfect childhood didn't make me inadequate. That I wasn't betraying my family, my mom, my dad, my myself by being brutally honest with myself. So that's what the coursework and everything taught you. Because I think what you're saying is, what keeps us from facing it is, I, if I admit that my childhood is is the determiner of my life and 
my relationships, my career, every aspect is a mirror to the childhood I haven't healed, addressed, and ultimately forgiven myself and others for. If I admit that, that means I'm inadequate. But by making the choice to read the book, go through the coursework, the coaching, all of that, what you realize is, oh, no, I'm not. It doesn't make me inadequate. It actually makes me adequate. And now I no longer need that approval from mom and dad, that recognition of, oh, my God, you know, you were just saying the story of mom and dad coming to you and go, hey, we were imperfect here because you learn to heal that within yourself and, and you see it. Is that what I'm hearing you saying is? Yeah. And also it's connected to my story of rejection that we worked before, because now knowing that I, that doesn't make me inadequate, then I don't reject myself and I'm able to love myself for what I am perfectly imperfect and for the perfectly imperfect childhood I had. I want to highlight a part that happens possibly right before what you just said, Gerardo, which is in order to get there, you have to, I say you as a collective, when, when someone's getting to that place, you have to address the ego because what's happening as I've realized the ego is, well, I just make more money to solve that. Wow. More money is what solves my problems. Well, I'll just, get another girlfriend or wife. Well, that's just, right. You put basically a responsibility on something else and hope that it's going to solve the problem from external force. And it isn't until, like, for example, I say this, Kenny, because as I told you, you can read the book, your book, and you can even go through some of your content, but it can go one ear out the other. It isn't until you've addressed the ego and by addressing the ego, I actually mean you realize that stuff, none of it is working. You go, wait a second, like making more money is not working. It is absolutely evident. At this level of income, the same problems happening, I would have never expected that. At this point in my life, this is still happening with my relationships? How is that even possible when my career is this good? Right? All these things. My, my relationship with my clients is much better than my relationship with my lover. How... Like, how is that? How can I respect my clients way more than my love? Like all these things. And then you start asking these questions that shatter that ego and that attachment to the external source of validation. And then you go, wait a second. This stuff that I've been ignoring has to do with it. And that's where when you re, even you, if you revisit the book or the content of your coaching or your course, you're able to look at it from this perspective that's open-minded and that has all the walls coming down. And that's when you start seeing the answers. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, what I, I describe it as, and I, I think I'm the only one in the industry that talks about this, the single greatest killer on the planet today is denial. And nobody's te I'm the only one. Byron Katie teaches a process but she calls it the work. But no one's developed a, a comprehensive process. Nobody on how to confront denial and overcome it. And that is the single greatest skill set you need. That's what's keeping everybody because you call it ego. Other people call it false personas. Some people call it the shadow personality. There are, <laughs> there are all these different terms for it. The devil, you know, we have, it's been coined a thousand different ways, but it's all the same thing. It's the denial mechanism, the refusal to see who I truly am. And nobody has ever laid a process out to discover that, wow, how does denial work within me, my shadow, my ego, whatever you want to call it. And more importantly, how do I address it and overcome it? And that to me is what separates what I do over anybody is you, I call it the scales of injustice. Because of childhood, we have low self-esteem. Now, Jeff Bezos, all these millionaires would say, oh, look at what I've accomplished. Well, yet, look at Warren Buffett, billionaire. Yet he has two wives. He can't relate. You know, there's discord in his relationships. That's a self-esteem issue. Well, that's denial from his childhood. Well, and, but do you see what happens? Denial is a lack of truth in our life. 
So as you said, I make more money. This should fix it, right? Or I have the trophy wife or whatever. This should fix it. But it doesn't. Well, as we see the truth of, wow, I'm hiding, I'm all these things. What do I get? Self-esteem. Because if I can see and accept these perfect imperfections, all the things we've been told to avoid, that's, but no one's laid that for once. No one's ever talked about it. No one's ever shown this is what we do. And no one's ever shown us how to tip those scales. And so that's what you're talking about is how do you confront the ego? And that's why most people come to my content or work with me after following me for six, nine, 12, 18. I just got a new client yesterday. I met her three years ago. She went to several other courses, counselors, everything. And as she said, I wasn't ready for you. I wasn't ready. But I I went to all that. I never got the answer. I knew you had it. Denied. Her denial. She kept, it took her a long time to face her denial. And she finally, her her brand new marriage is dissolving. And, And the day we met, they were just about to get married and we're talking about the red flags and, but she wasn't, she was in denial, but now she's ready to face it. And that's the killer and the separator. Yeah. And I, I relate to that, not being ready, knowing that you had the answer, but not being ready. Uh, and it takes time. Yes, and that's you even contacted me and said, I need your help. And then when I tried to sign you up, you ran away. And then you came back three months later and said, okay, let's do this. Yeah, because I was in so, and it comes back to also something that you said. I don't know if you said in your book, like, if you're not ready, okay, go ahead and do all the things that you think they're destroying you. Go and accelerate them because the pain will force you. You decide if it's going to take you five, 10 or 20 years, but you're going to get exhausted into a point. So that's it. In a way, that's kind of true for me because I was in a lot of pain, but I said, like, wait a minute. Why am I going to wait until I get to the end of my rope? I, I better tackle this when I'm in the half of my rope. Uh, and that's how, you know, and, and, and that part of that process was to be honest with myself and ask myself, is all this working out for? Is the answer working more? Uh, looking for uh, all these things and no, not really. So something's got to give. Is it external or internal? But one of the biggest uh, breakthrough moments I had was that for years I knew that I had to improve my self-esteem. And in some points, I think I did. You know, I did way better than what I was doing in the very beginning, but it was still kind of like a cup of water that has a hole at the bottom and you keep filling, 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 you know. But boom, the minute I was able to honor my needs and wants, my morals and values, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I needed. I knew what it was important to me. And the minute I was courageous to say, I'm going to stand up for myself, boom, that was an automatic creator of self-esteem, self-esteem. Respect myself, honor myself, love myself. But did you know how to? Because everyone says that. Stand up for yourself. Choose yourself. But did those processes show you how? Because I learned, I heard that too, but I never knew how. Like I never, I would read books and they'd say the words. That was my frustration. See, now all my trauma is going to come out. Like I'm just going to admit it. Like right now, my frustration my, what I'm feeling, the frustration I have right now is the frustration of my childhood. Because of who I was and how I saw the world, the second I'd open my mouth as a child, everyone in my family would shut me down. I couldn't speak. That's why I became a professional goalie in hockey, because nobody talks to them. I could relive the same abandonment. Pro golf, even the crowd doesn't talk. Silence. I relived. I muzzled myself because I was muzzled as a child. And that's what we'll do is we get taught this is our role. I can't speak up. And then I read these books. Yeah, stand up for yourself. Well, what's the goddamn process? How do I do it? And so I see all these, I call them, you know, bubblegum catchphrases. Believe in yourself. Has anyone described how to create belief? No, I'm the first one who has. How to say all these things. They're just phrases. 
And so my frustration is, it was like my dad, I'd show him, dad, this is a cup of water. No, it's not. No, wouldn't listen to me. And so the frustration I'm feeling, I'm like, that's, as I read the books, it was the same thing. I'm like, I had this instinct, it's something different. Then I did the research, got the science to back it up. And it's like, oh no, what I talk about isn't an opinion. It's based what we know about science to this point. It's all backed by fact. I, it's provable. It's not just a theory. It's provable. And then I get frustrated because people won't listen to it. Well, why would I be frustrated? I wasn't listened to. You know, and so reading that material, I'm going, it's it that, but see the awareness that, oh my God, they're not the problem. This is me. This is my childhood. This is my father. They're fine the way they are. But see, now I have a process to navigate that. Whereas before I was stuck in the powerlessness of, I need you to hear me because no one had laid out the process for me to overcome it. And so I just wanted to be vulnerable. Yeah, I, I would agree. Perhaps that's one of the first things that made what made your book so unique. It was that it wasn't victimizing me, poor me. I, it wasn't uh, enabling my powerlessness or my inequity. It was like telling me, hey, be responsible for who you are. And you have the power to heal this. And I remember that, you know, I remember me addressing the moment of shame that I had with a teacher. And I remember me being angry with the teacher and I'm no longer, but I understood, you know, that the answers were in me. So it was the first book when I read that they were not patting me in the back saying, okay, like poor you. Uh, it was the first time that I was being held accountable for myself. And it's like, I could no longer run and hide into this victim pattern i am not a victim i have responsibility and i can have the tools to set myself free and to me everyone's a victim because no one's given them the tools to turn that victimhood into victory yeah. they pat them on the back but they never give them the process out of it and so they stay the victim they'll claim i'm not a victim like when I hear people go, I'm not a victim, you just proved to me you're stuck in victimhood. And, but they don't know that. And they don't know why. And, and because they keep getting told, but it's, it's the lack of the process. I mean, if I think of, if you look at my reviews and what people have said, it's like, it's finally the process. It's the full yeah. process. So, hey, what? To do. You want? I'm no, no, no. Right now, you guys are my father. I'm screaming at my father. <laughs> Dad, Dad, I figured it out. Look at me. Uh, <laughs> oh, it makes all you know. It, it makes all sense. And another important thing for me was to take the time to feel, and that's the great way to go to the answers, because we have this. Oh, you know, the answer is buried deep inside of me, and I have to have this mystical experience to find out was truly wrong about me when we're in denial. It is in our face all the time. It's in the things we do and in the conversations we have. And that's what I kind of like the cool things I like about our meetings is that when you ask people, describe how you feel and they, they burp their own answer just right yeah. away. They just haven't learned to hear their denial. And I'm yeah. coaching them to be the listener, to be their own coach. Cause everyone like that's, someone I run into on the street and tells me about the sandwich they ate. You just told me your childhood trauma. You don't know it because you don't have this information. But once I show you how it works, you're like, oh my God, I picked that sandwich because I, earlier in the day I got in a fight with my husband. I'm feeling powerless. And so I went to this. I had no idea. Yeah. And so it's just teaching people how to hear how the denial works in us. Yeah. And it comes from feeling to taking the time yeah. not to run away from your feelings, but to heal your feelings. And that's what I that's what I also learned that denial and a simplified version of it I've learned is basically lying to yourself. And basically by lying to yourself, you're just always lying and then going, Yeah, I believe that lie. I believe that lie. Like it, it was I did have a good childhood. It wasn't that bad. Oh, I, I lied to that person technically at work today, but 
yeah, it's 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 not really a lie because this happened. Or I guess, yeah, I mean, there was no way I couldn't have lied because so you, you see, you start basically letting yourself off the hook, and it's like that's what I realized. That's denial at its best. It basically were you've demoted responsibility for so long that you've numbed out the feeling of truth of what's right. Bingo. Bingo. So you're you're basically what you're saying right now, also Gerardo, is if you don't have that, you don't feel yourself, you don't feel your truth, all you can feel is the truth of other people. And that's why they're the problem. And that's why I feel I need to make more money. And that's why I feel I need to get that girl, even if she's rejecting me like crazy, she doesn't like me for who I am, right? All these things or however, whatever the situation is. Yeah. Or that's why maybe in a marriage, that's why I deserve to be abused or something like that. Yeah, yeah most people don't like the word denial. It's too caustic. Lying to ourselves is probably a better way, but we're completely unaware that we lie to ourselves all day long. And we don't want to admit that. No, 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 no. I tell the truth. And, and, and so it's seen because it doesn't make us bad. Because what did I say? The scales of injustice. When I see how I'm lying to myself, because denial or lying to ourselves is a, it's when we lie to ourselves, we can't have self-esteem because basically I'm lying because I don't want to admit something about myself. I don't want to see this. Because if I see it, I'm bad or incapable or some sort of, it means something is defective in me. So I don't want to see it. But what happens is the second you become an expert in it, you go right at it, you embrace it. What does it give you? Truth. What's truth? I can see I'm imperfect. I can see all of me now. If I can see and accept every aspect of me, the only result, only result is massive self-esteem, massive career accomplishment, great marriage, great relationship, great friendships, peace, happiness, and everything. What's keeping everyone from the life they want is the inability to work that process, to even understand they're in that process. I have some examples to illustrate this in a more simplified fashion as well. A little lie, for example, can be, for someone like me, for example, who, who just grew up as a, a social nerd, so to say, who was very inadequate in regards to that. As a little lie can be somebody asks you to go to an event and you go, oh, I'm sorry, I can't go. I have work. Yeah. You don't have work. You could make time for it if you really wanted to. That's a lie. Now, you may look at that like, well, that's kind of a white lie. You may have work. You may not. Like little things. But the problem is these little lies start piling up and they get all over your life relationship work family and then all of a sudden you go so you grow so comfortable with these little lies that they get bigger and bigger and bigger all of a sudden you're living your your whole life is a gigantic lie and so it goes into your relationship your woman abuses you and then the lie becomes well i you know, I, I, I was an asshole that last Saturday when I said this, so I guess I should have had that coming, right? That, that's a lie. No, wait a second. Now I'm making the abuse right because of something that happened on Saturday where I said, so it was my fault. You see what's happening there? So all of a sudden, we start molding reality to support our lying because accepting the truth, the truth would be, wait a second, I couldn't stand up for myself. Wait a second, that's the truth. Maybe there's an even deeper truth. Wait a second. Through my childhood, I got used to being abused, maybe by my both parents or one parent. And I'm actually repeating that now in the present. And I'm making it okay. Just like I did back in the day. Like I just saw it and I was just like, oh, okay. I guess it's it's normal for my stepfather to beat my sister like that. So I guess if my wife is beating me, that's normal. You know, it's no big deal. Everything, every life goes on, right? Perfectly said, and this is how I demonstrate that process. One little white lie, the feeling of it. Put a piece of paper on your hand. The second you put it on there, you feel it, but if you hold your hand steady, it goes away. That little white lie, that little denial that, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, it's okay. I don't want to deal with this right now. 
another one, another one, another one. But they're added on so slowly that you don't realize you're carrying all this pain that your brain and body has now become accustomed to because it's little pieces. Your new normal is here. And so you're completely feeling detached. Why isn't my marriage suck? Why can't I make money? Why did I get the career job and I'm making millions and it sucks? Because of all of those little pieces of denial, little lies that I couldn't feel And now they've added up to this big feeling, but no one's taught me how to deal with feelings. No one's ever shown me that it's these little white lies. No one's discussing it. Where the hell do I get an answer to this? And until you have the process to pull out that first lie and the next one and the next one, and then they just start falling. They just wham and then the freedom comes through and now the marriage is better now the money is better all of it is better and that's the way out of it but i just i when i discovered i realized my god no one's talking about this no one and the reason why we can't get there the reason why no one's talking about this is because they're not connecting it to how it affects their work life their love life what matters to them most once they realize for example you're a photographer Harado you've probably gone through scope creep with clients where some, some client goes, oh yeah, why don't I get this and that and this and that? And you're like, wait a second, I charge you for this and now you're getting like three services on top of that and like way more than we agreed to. And you're making me feel like I should give you that. So what, if you want that, here's the price for it, but that's not what we agreed to. I've got, I, I say that because I've been through the same situation in the past and I have lied to myself to the point where I go, well, you know what? I should just give them this for free and that for free. And then it becomes 20 things for free to the point where I'm resenting doing that. And then you I go through the horrible clients. Yeah, and you trying to, to open up opportunities to vehicle rent. And, you know, perhaps that one of the things that made me the most money was to learn when to say no. So our policy in our office became like, you know what? it really gives us anxiety when there are no clear boundaries, what the client is going to get and not get. And sometimes the client pushes, oh, we're in a rush. We just get the ball rolling. No, 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 no. It is your urgency, not mine. And this is what we're going to do. This is the playground. This is the square. We're going to play all in this box. This is how it works for us. And this is how we can serve you better. And there's like, no, 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 fine. It's hard to say no and lose the client, but then there's peace. And the peace, and, and instead of before, we were just working in this gray area. Hopefully, the client doesn't hope that this is included. And then I'm going to look like an ass if I say I don't want to do it and it's extra. So perhaps that's one of the, but it's, here's the funny thing. I was doing that in my professional life, but I was not doing that in my personal one. But it, it, it helped me to move. For, oh, okay. So this is what I do with the clients. This is what I need to do with my personal stuff to be very clear and upfront, and 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 that way it doesn't give me anxiety. <laughs> Let, why don't we wrap it up with this? What would you say to somebody who's in that stuck place of deciding if they want to choose themselves or not? How do they get over that? How do they say, you know, I'm, I, I need to invest in myself and I, I'm going to cross that bridge. What would you say to help them? You just said it, you know, to, to invest in yourself because the answer comes from us, you know, from, from ourselves. And one thing you, and I will say it is that what helped me cross that bridge was the fact that I have read books, I have gone through classes, and I knew I could not put the pieces together. So to me, I was not giving up on myself and said like, okay, this resonates with me. I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to bet on myself. And even... Even if you ask me, Kenny, even just making that decision that 
perhaps that was the first booster I have of love for myself. And like, no, you need to take care of me. Who's going to stand up for me? Who's going to protect me? Who's going to love me? Me. So go and take care of you, Gerardo, and 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 give that a try. I'm nothing to lose but to just to stay the same. And Albert Einstein used to say, what is the concept of craziness? To repeat the same thing and expect different results. So I said, let's go for something different and we'll go from different results. And and like I said, no no more pain. I I have this comfort moment, but I am free of my pain. Well, thank you. It's been a joy to be a part of your process. And you become it, you know, it's the best way you want to become an expert at turning your life around, go learn the process and teach it to others. And, you know, in the university, you're now taking on that role, you know, of uh, when you come on, your wisdom helps others and your comments on their posts and all of that. And um, you, you know, you make the transition from being in the journey to then sharing the journey. And yeah. I appreciate your heart to share the journey with others and, which is a, a self-loving process that benefits everybody. So, you know, it's been a joy to be a part of it and watch that unfold. Thank you. Yeah. It gives me joy to do it. You know, I'm, I'm grateful.